Hello and welcome to the Marketing Retro Podcast where Josh and Adrian talk about the marketing topics that are on the tip of their tongues. And this week, Josh, you have something. What What is on the tip of your tongue this week? So yeah, I re- came across an article recently um, that just sort of framed a marketing strategy as developing a set, like a comedian would, you know, a comedian goes out and you see these famous comedians and you might, they might have a Netflix show or whatnot, but they mm-hmm. started somewhere. They started on their local open mic and started working on materials. And I feel like over time through feedback loops and whatnot, they start to develop a shtick and a set and like certain things of knowing the rhythm and the timing and how to say and present certain things. They probably mix it up and they probably have different versions, but eventually they have this really polished, really tight, concise, like hits all the right people at all the right tones. And that's usually what, you know, sets them apart. So thinking about it from a marketing perspective as a company and also from a founder perspective, and you listen to these ones on podcasts and you hear some people Sometimes if I've heard them on multiple, I'm kind of like eye rolling because I've heard it before. Mm -hmm. Um, They're almost better when they sort of like deviate a little and they kind of have these little nuanced changes, but just kind of wondering how other people do it and what you think about it. Yeah. So before we really dive into like the the practicality and, and the usage of this for founders and B2B marketing teams, I love the framework of it being a set because... I, you know, I've seen comedians like you referenced and all of this, and they say, like, if you've watched Hacks, this is, I'm, Hacks on HBO is going through my head right now. So she has to develop a whole new set and they go out on the road and she has show after show after show that just bombs. Like nobody laughs. No one thinks it's funny. And she is a very successful comedian, the the main character. She's really successful, multimillionaire, that kind of a thing. Um but her shows are bombing show after show. And it's like the, that immediate feedback loop, like you mentioned, they go back after the set, they get back in the bus or wherever they at, and they rewrite the jokes. They re-say the hooks. They restructure when the storyline and the arches. And I think that's really an important framework, especially for early founders, because there's so many times where it does need to be reworked and tweaked and and created um, within a feedback loop where you're you're speaking to somebody, you're talking to a customer, you're putting it out there, and you immediately get information back like yes that hit or no that didn't, and then we need to tweak and change it up. So I think that context of thinking of creating your messaging as like the same way a comedian would their set is that's a pretty nice one. That's pretty genius. I like it. Yeah, and it kind of points to just the framing that you're you're giving a performance and it's a it's a thing that's probably uncomfortable for most founders they didn't they didn't start it to you know sit up there and perform and if anything they're oftentimes what gets them into this is like well i want to solve the real problem i want to talk about the real things i want to talk about and help 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 solve these at a different level and just me sitting up there like a parrot doesn't feel like that's actually moving the needle, right? It's a sales thing. It's a performance thing. It's a vanity thing. And that's not me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least that's that's how I think about it. So. Yeah. And that's why um, having a marketer on a team is so important because that is how a marketer is going to think about it. Um, or at least like 
an SDR, somebody who's out there really talking to people quite frequently. They can take the understanding of, okay, what is this product? What is it doing? Who is it helping? Who is it serving? What are they saying about it? Okay. And then through that, you know, they kind of wash it and fold it and mold it and then create these messaging statements. That's what I do, at least a part of um, when I work with early stage founders for content strategies is we have three different tiers or I create three different tiers of messaging for them. So if they, if someone just is in passing asking them like, oh, hey, I heard you're building such and such. What is, what's that about? And they know they've got like five seconds. I want them to have a sentence that they can say, oh, we do this, this, this for these people done. Mm-hmm. Um, if they've got 30 seconds, you know, like I really try to give them three different layers of um, just a script, something that's like, I want you to memorize these words, or at least the feel of them, you know, maybe not word for word, so you don't sound like a robot, but get this message ingrained in your mind, so that it becomes remote practice when someone asks you, oh, I heard you're building, or what does that do? You said you're working with this new company, tell me about it you've got something to say immediately. So many founders I work with who are entrenched and building really amazing products. Like they're inventors, they're groundbreakers, they're moving, changing the world. You ask them like, well, what does it do? Who are you working with? And they just don't know how to tell you about it. They kind well, they of want to brain vomit. <laughs> they want to brain yeah. vomit because they're like living in, you know, three different time periods at the same time. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> what is done, but that's old news. Like we built that three months ago. Like who cares about that? But yet like you bring in this perspective of you've got a person right here. They're, they're in the audience, like watching, they don't care about how long the set took. They don't care about your materials Mm -hmm. you're working on for next season for your Netflix special or whatever else, whatever else you have baking. They want to know just like what's fun right now. So, you know, you're helping them basically sit down and point to the stage and being like, this is all right now. Like this is going to happen, whether you like it or not, whether that was your intention or not. Now we've got to have you, you know, it may sound like a parrot, but you can do it with energy. You can do it your way. You could do those things, but yeah, it's, it's obviously from my perspective, it's really hard and really hard to be that person because you are in all the other phases of your day-to-day work, you're working with your team, you're recruiting, you're doing all these different things and living in multiple time periods. is like, I like that thought living in multiple time periods. That's so true. And to bring it back to the comedians in this set, something I've seen a lot of comedians talk about is that your audience will, different audiences will find different things funny and will respond different to different ways. So just because one joke hits for one particular audience and then it doesn't hit for another one, doesn't mean the joke is bad, right? It doesn't make the joke wrong. It doesn't make your message inaccurate. It just means that's probably not the best audience. That wasn't your people. That wasn't like the core people who got you. Um, and I think that's interesting for, I mean, if you think about the comedians, they're showing up, they're in the audience. They, ought, you're, I mean, tickets to a comedy show are not cheap these days. You've paid money. You know this comedian well, usually. Uh, Show up and then to not find some other things funny or just finding different things funny than different audiences. um, You know, that really intrigues me. But also that's from a marketer standpoint, like what is going to resonate with our audience? What are we making sure we're putting out there that all of our people are going to find funny Um, and that will maybe repel the people who we don't want? You know, if you really think about comedians, they have strong following. You either mostly love comedians or you hate them. I can think of Bill Burr off the top of my head. Like 
love him or hate him. There's hardly a an in between. People are not really like, oh yeah, whatever, Bill Burr. Yeah, there's like a polarizing element to it, like with yeah. brands and other things where it's just like you are either on that kind of brand wagon or that's your thing or no, that's kind of cringy to me and I don't like it. Yeah. And that's exactly where you should be as a brand, right? You should be polarizing. You should be looking for the, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I get it. The roaring laughter. Or you should be looking for the people getting up and leaving the auditorium because they're so disgusted or think you're cringe or just don't get it. Like that's where you want to be. And if you're in the place where people have left the audience, then you know those aren't your people. Now let's go find your people. It's not necessarily that you need to tweak your message. It's just that you probably need to find the right people. Right. But after, as you brought the metaphor of like, uh, what was the show you mentioned? Hacks. About the comedian? Hacks. So I don't yeah. know of it, but now I know enough of it now <laughs> that you described yes. it. But but if the show went on the road and went to all these different places and you probably bombed 10, 20 times off of the same material and weren't making changes, maybe yes. it is like you, it doesn't fit an audience. And maybe that was also probably common with founders, <laughs> your vision that just doesn't actually hit, right? Like, That's so it, it you shouldn't take one bad show and change your whole thing right There's probably enough 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 surface area enough uh testing of being on stage with these different types that that validates like if this is if this if this is a thing or not right and yeah. then for you to kind of tinker and test there yeah i think you can only say oh it's not me it's the audience when you've seen a lot of good audiences and you've resonated in multiple places or you've made the, you know, the crowd come down with laughter. Like when you've gotten that response multiple times and then maybe you've got one off where it's a bad, it doesn't land. Your message doesn't land. You know, if you're thinking about a founder, um, then you can say, okay, that was just that audience. But if you've never gotten great responses, it's time to start saying what needs to change. What do I need to reiterate? What do I need to come back and like tweak and, and look at because, then it, then it is you. It's you. It's not them. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And so so once you've, so I think we brought in a good kind of metaphor for quote unquote setting the stage uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for, you know, d delivering these sets and these different types of things. One, as a founder and two, this also, all this testing probably also helps to develop that, that material, those like high points, those insights, those things that make people go aha or give you a strong credibility or whatnot as a as a as a founder and or as a company i think at this point we could talk that both of those are going on so mm -hmm. how do you practice it how do you keep it up how do you like when do you make a change like what are what are when does it you know uh i know we talked about like feedback loops but it's a comedian yeah. gets immediate feedback loops so what are ways that you know, you're getting sort of feedback loops around the set you're developing. Yeah, I think a founder can get immediate feedback loops too. Um, if you are an early stage founder and you're not talking with your customers frequently, I am always going to talk about that being the first thing is customer research, talking to your customers. Um, they will give you immediate feedback. It will be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Wow, that's incredible. I really like, I get it. I want it. Or you're going to hear crickets. Um, other ways to get immediate feedback, social media. Put your blurbs out there on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Does anybody see? Does anybody respond? Do you get a response or 
pique someone's curiosity at all. Um, in person, while you're having, you know, if you're, if you get funding, while you're talking to your, your, you know, your VC folks, this is what we're doing. Does that make sense? Does it resonate? Um, there are a lot of different audiences. Obviously, a VC person is going to have a different perspective than a customer. They just will. So, but that's also those two different audiences. Who did it resonate with? Did it only resonate with the people who have handed you checks and not the people who are like buying your product? Look into that. Like, pay close attention to those kinds of signals. Um, there are definite ways for founders, companies to receive immediate feedback on messaging. And I think the only thing is, is people aren't paying attention. People aren't going out there with the intention to say, is this resonating? Are we getting it? Um, social media marketers do this really well because they know that it's immediate and they see those responses right away. Right. Engagement is a, is, a, is a proxy is, or is a, is a immediate way. It's usually part of their, you know, like metrics. Yeah. Right. Versus like content marketers oftentimes may end up with just like, hey, write these articles, views and things like that. But that may not necessarily correlate to getting, you know, strong, strong feedback loops. Right. Absolutely. And I think, like I said, customer research, really just getting on the phone, talking to people, sharing what you're doing. Um, you know, I don't believe that you should be saying, hey, this is what we're doing. Do you like this? Would you buy this? That's not going to ever get you a valuable insight. But sharing what your messaging is and then just kind of hearing their response about it, that's going to help you refine or even just asking more about their problems, their current tech stack, their current situation, and taking their words and creating your messaging. That's even better. That's a, the, one of the best ways I can think of to create the messaging in the first place. Um, you know, and then just practice it. It's like tell everybody you can as many times as you can. Um, what it is you're doing, who, it, what's your product, who it's for, what does it do? At the very, very simple, basic breakdown, your little messaging blurb should say, this is what my product is. This is one or two, th two things it does. This is who it serves. This is who it will benefit. Um, and then you'll, you'll be able to determine, does that make sense? Do people resonate with it? Um, and just practice it. Because it, it is hard. Like you said, you're living in three different time periods. So if you don't have it really clear and crisp written down, something you can practice, uh, your brain goes, um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you, you kind of freeze. <laughs> right. Well, what about for non-founders? So I know, you know, hopefully there's a lot of marketers out here listening to this that are not, uh, I know it, it kind of goes into your brain and my brain a lot. Cause I know you work a lot with founders and yeah. me being a founder myself, but like other marketers, you know, is this, what happens when they're just kind of given that job and maybe they don't have as much access to the founders or it's like the founder is just, isn't interested in doing that because as much as it may be driving the business and all these other potential things, you know, not all found, founders kind of want to do what they want to do. So what happens when a marketer is given this responsibility as the first marketer coming in or as a marketing generalist mm -hmm. and saying, okay, great. Um, yeah, I heard that this is a thing and that we should kind of develop this this consistent messaging and narrative and, and, and a set around this. I heard it on a podcast by these two weird people. <laughs> like, how do I do that? Like, where do I start? Where is it my responsibility versus, you know, other people's? Yeah, 
I think if you're a first marketer hire at a tiny little startup or like a B2B SaaS, that's kind of the place I can fill. Um, it's definitely one of the first initiatives that should be on your plate is how do we say who we are? Um, you know, they'll say, oh, well, that's the product marketer's job or um, at least in B2B SaaS, they can say that. So, but you kind of do, if you're that first marketer, you have to figure out what is our product. So you have to go talk to engineers. You have to go talk to developers. You have to talk to programmers. You have to talk to the founder themselves. Um, and then it's your job to take all that really technical information. And I can only come from a B2B SaaS standpoint. Um, take all that really technical jargon that they have and distill it into something that your average person is going to understand and resonate with. Um, and that just takes time. It takes practice. So you do it a little bit and you put out some content. You put out a blog post, you put out an ebook, a LinkedIn post, and you just see, did it make sense to people? Same kind of thing. You're looking for those same repetitive feedback loops so that you know, okay, yeah, that one hit well. They got this. They didn't understand that. Um, and then you reiterate. That's that's basically all you can do is you you gather information, you put it out there, and you see, did it land? Does it make sense? And if not, change it. Like it's marketing. We're not holding people's hearts in our hands, right? Like we have the power to go, we're going to change all of this. We've been saying it wrong for five years. We need to We need to change the way we talk about who we are. So change it. People aren't paying as close attention to our companies as we think they are, I think. And so it would be fine to say, yeah, we need to, we need to really change the way we talk about ourselves. Um, even though that can be scary, but give it a shot. You know, if it's not clicking, it's not clicking. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's definitely one of those things as, as being out there and trying to do uh, you know, whether it's things on social media, Twitter, or whatnot, just remembering that not everyone sees the same things you do and says like what's, what's novel to them may not be novel to you. Right. And, 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 yeah. or even you repeating yourself and saying probably not the same thing, you know, 50 times in a day, but <laughs> over the sure. course of a month or a week, people probably don't even remember it was you that originally said something. And even if you have something to add onto it, uh, there's definitely, you know, uh, that people are definitely paying less attention than you think they are. <laughs> yeah. And if you do have a strong community, like I know there are really strong, like Stripe would put something out. If they change their messaging, people would notice like Stripe has an intensely close following. If your company is one of those where you've got a great community, then you just go to your community first, right? And say, hey, like we're thinking about, changing a few, like the way we talk about it, or you test it out on the community first. Um, you would just say, this is what we are. This is what we're doing. This is what we're thinking about. Um, and see, does that resonate with that small community? Maybe before you launch it wide. Um, Cause I just started thinking there are some companies where people, if they changed their messaging, if they changed kind of what they said, people would notice and pay attention. So if you have that type of following, if you have that type of tight knit community, um, you know, use them first to be the ones to test it. And maybe if you do, though, maybe if you have that type of community, your your messaging is working, though. So maybe they're not the ones changing it. Right. Sort of one of those things. If you got big enough on something and making sure you do understand what your core is, right? And that's probably where researching with your community really helps. So it's not all of a sudden the marketer cooked up something that is 
uh, off brand, right? Because, you know, I think we've talked Mm -hmm. about before that, you know, brand is mostly what, what people are saying behind your back or what people are saying when you're not there. And they're, they're not gonna, if, if Stripe went out and did something like, I don't know, just totally unstripe. I don't know what would be unstripe, but yeah. um, (laughs) Then, then people would be like, what, like what? And super confused and things like that. And then just assume it came up by some crackpot marketer. So, yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, So maybe be willing to test it. And if you know that you've got a tight community, um, then it's working. Then your messaging is working. And why change it then? If it works, don't. Like if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. But um, yeah, just to summarize up, like I I do like the metaphor of the set. I think this probably is definitely more of a B2B thing versus a B2C thing. I think, you know, mostly we've been talking about B2B things um, with regards to this episode, but yeah, that, that practice, those feedback loops, those repetitions, Mm -hmm. um, I think those are all kind of the big pieces to make that clean, concise messaging, um, so to speak. So anything else to add, Adrian? I absolutely agree. All right. Thank you. We'll talk next week. Have a good week, Josh. Bye.